is what I realized this week, just kind of thinking about where we are in the year with summer ending and school starting back and just kind of everything with the fall getting ready to crank back up. What I realized is that I have no clue where you are in your life right now. And here's what I mean by that. My guess is that for some of you in here, this summer has felt really, really long. And I don't mean that in a good way, right? And I don't know what it, what it could have been. Maybe you were home with the kids all summer and you're about to pull your hair out because you're ready for them to go back to school. Uh, maybe you're tired of the heat and you feel like you've been locked inside and you just you don't want to look at the inside of your house anymore, but it is way too hot to go for a walk in the park, right? We know that, we know that feeling. Or maybe you've just been busy, Maybe between travel sports with the kids and VBS and mission trips and your own trips and all, you know, all this stuff. And maybe you went on family vacation and you expected it to fill your cup, but it kind of depleted your cup instead. And maybe you're looking at this like, okay, I think I'm ready for this summer to just be over. I'm ready to turn the page so that we can get to the fall and, and maybe hopefully start something new. Or maybe it's something a little bit heavier than all of those things, right? Maybe you've had a a hard season at work during the summer. Maybe there's been some source of grief or brokenness in your life or in the life of someone that that you love, and, and your anxiety has been a little bit higher these last couple of months, and it's been hard for you to really settle in and, and enjoy the summer. And again, you're just ready for summer to be over so that you can start something new, so that hopefully you can get a, a fresh start. Regardless of why it's felt like a long summer, I I know that that some of you in here might just feel kind of exhausted right now, and you're craving just a sliver of God's redemptive work in your life as we all make that turn from summer into, into fall. So I know that some of you might might be there. On the other hand, I know that some of you might be on the completely other end of the of the spectrum. Maybe summer has flown by to you this year. You've had a great summer and you don't want it to be over. You're dreading next week with the kids going back to school and maybe work's getting busy again because the summer lull is is over. You've been to the beach and you've been you've been to the lake. You've been able to spend more time with family. And like we say at the beginning of worship every week, right, maybe you're just in a season of life where you feel like everything is swinging your direction, and you're just here giving thanks to God for the many blessings in your life, and you are excited for what God has for you next, right, as, as you make that turn and, and head into fall. You're ready to get busy with, with whatever it is that God is going to put in front of you this next season. Maybe you're at one of those extremes. Maybe you're somewhere in, in the middle. Regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I think that this text, this story that we're going to read together, I think that most of you will know, I think it has something important for us this morning, and I also think that no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum right now, I think it will meet you exactly where you are. So let's read it together. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, we're in chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from them in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You will give them something to eat. They replied, 
We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. This text, this story, this passage of scripture starts with the phrase, now when Jesus heard this. And you've heard me say this before when we've encountered this in other areas of Scripture, but whenever a passage begins by referencing what has come just before it, what happened just before this passage began, we are clearly as the reader supposed to know what it is that Jesus has just heard when we read this story. So what is it that Jesus has just heard that pushed him to go out to a deserted place? The beginning of chapter 14 in the Gospel of Matthew, verses 1 through 12, tells us the story of the death of John the Baptist. Herod, the, the ruler over the Roman ruler over the region, he's heard about what Jesus has been doing, and he's a little confused because we learn that he, he mistakenly thinks that this man Jesus, that everybody is talking about, all of the healings and the miracles, that it's actually John the Baptist, but he's just going by a different name. And that the reason John the Baptist is now going by Jesus and he's able to perform all of these miracles is because he has actually been resurrected from the dead. He's clearly very confused, but it leads Herod to capture John the Baptist and put him in prison, saying that it's because John the Baptist opposes Herod being married to his sister-in-law, but really it's because he's tired of all of these people talking about what he thinks John the Baptist is doing, but really it's, really it's Jesus. The text says, just before this passage, that the only thing that is stopping Herod from putting John the Baptist to death is because he's afraid of what the crowd's response will be, because so many people are calling him a prophet. But when his birthday feast rolls around, his daughter performs a dance for everybody that's gathered in his palace, and he is so delighted by the performance that his daughter puts on, he tells her that he will give her whatever it is that she wanted. And of course, she asked for the head of John the Baptist. So he sends word to the prison, he has John the Baptist killed, and he has John the Baptist's head delivered to this girl. The disciples hear the news of this, they tell Jesus, and that is where we pick up with our passage. When Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard about the death of his friend, when Jesus realized that it really could have been him instead of John, when he heard this, he decided to withdraw to a deserted place. But the crowds, they followed him anyway. And the rest of the story is history, right? With that in mind, I think if we're going to be responsible readers here just for a second, I think we have to allow ourselves to contrast these two meals that happen back to back in chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew. 
And we really don't have to get too far into the weeds to do this, right? We have Herod's birthday feast on one hand, and then we have Jesus feeding the 5,000 on the other. Herod's feast is a meal of plenty. It is a royal feast with wine and tables overflowing with food, I'm sure, many of which is just going to end up being thrown out. But not only that, it holds the grounds for scheming. I mean, it, it is a launch pad for the unjust murder of one of God's prophets. All because an insecure Roman ruler feels that his authority is being threatened. It's a meal of plenty, but it ends up hosting what I would call brokenness. The feeding of the 5,000 is, is not a meal of plenty, or at least it doesn't start out as one, does it? But rather a meal of compassion. Jesus himself is in danger, unlike Herod who's insulated by the walls of his palace, right? Jesus finds himself in danger, and yet he still has compassion for the crowds, healing and feeding the multitudes. This meal ends with life, with plenty left over to go around again. Maybe this morning, because of where you are, because of what the last few months or weeks or days have been like for you and your family, maybe you just need to see Jesus this morning take something broken and make it whole. Maybe you just need to be reminded about God's redemptive work in this world. Maybe you just need to see for a moment with fresh eyes the compassion of God on those who are hurting and those who are hungry and those who are needy, despite how broken the world around them may seem. And if that is you, then I think us looking at these stories side by side give us a chance to do that for just a moment. In the wake of Herod's destruction, in the face of opposition, Jesus feeds the multitude. I think it's a reminder that no matter how dark it might seem, how broken things may appear, how scarce the outlook may be, with Jesus we can trust that there will always be healing, that the light will always outshine the darkness, that there will always be plenty no matter what we have on hand and no matter what the need is. My hope is that if you feel weary this morning, if you feel broken, if you are in need of healing or in need of hope, that you would just allow yourself to see what happens here in chapter 14 of this gospel and be reminded that with Jesus, no matter where the story begins, the compassion of Christ, the love of God, that it will always be the end. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. And if it is, then my hope is that you would simply receive that good news and allow it to fill your cup. But I think that's only one way that we can look at this this feeding narrative. The other way that we can look at it is, is by focusing less on the context around the narrative and instead looking at the feeding story itself, specifically on the disciples and the role that they play in this in this moment. Oftentimes in these feeding narratives, and I say it like that because Jesus feeds the multitude several different times in just about all of the gospel. So we have multiple stories of Jesus feeding hungry folks. 
But oftentimes in these stories, it seems like the disciples get a bad rap. And I'm guilty of this. I have preached a feeding narrative where I have talked bad about the disciples and their unwillingness to see what Jesus is able to do. And it's tempting for us. It's tempting to read these stories and criticize the disciples for having any inkling of doubt that Jesus could feed the multitudes. After all that they have seen Jesus do, how could they not know that Jesus had it in the tank to feed all of these hungry folks? Why would they suggest that the crowds be sent away? Maybe you've always looked at it like this. And if you have, I would, I would love to try to get you to see them in, in just a different light because I think this specific telling of the narrative, I think it, that's what it wants us to do. The disciples have been watching Jesus teach and preach and heal. They've seen him do all sorts of miraculous things up to this point in Matthew's gospel since they started following him. He has healed the blind. He's cured the lame. He's stilled a storm. They've seen him restore a little girl back to life. And they've heard him preach the Sermon on the Mount, which is the best sermon that has ever been preached. They have seen plenty to have faith that Christ can do this miraculous thing. And what I was struck by this week is that they have watched Christ have compassion on nearly everyone that he has come in to contact with up to this point in his ministry. And it seems to me that that compassion is starting to rub off on them. And I think we can see it happening in this moment. The disciples are the ones who see the need of the crowd. They are the ones that realize how late it is and put it all together that these people must be getting pretty hungry and there is nowhere for them to go and buy food out in this deserted place. I think it is out of that compassion that they suggest to Jesus that he send the crowds away to nearby villages so that they won't be hungry and thirsty as they try and soak up all that this Messiah has to offer. And Christ, in this moment, it seems to me, sees their compassion and just simply redirects it. They don't need to go buy food from somewhere else. You're going to be the ones that feed them. I think it's cool that clearly the disciples had already taken inventory, right? They didn't have to go gather what they had. They knew what they had. They had thought through this. So they quickly say to Jesus, right, look, uh, we got five loaves and two fish. It's obviously not enough to feed the multitude. It's really not enough to feed Jesus and the disciples. But regardless of what they think, they seem to trust Jesus here in, in this moment. They give him what they have, the loaves and the fish. They watch him break bread, and then they do what Jesus says, right? They begin to pass it out to the crowd, as ridiculous as they may feel doing it, especially in the beginning. But what they learn is that at the hands of Christ, that the bread and the loaves have become more than enough for the need that is present. It's the disciples that see the need. It's the disciples that provide the bread and the fish out of their own pockets. It's the disciples that do what Jesus tells them to do as absurd as they might think that it is. And it is the disciples who pick up the leftovers. 
all while not knowing how exactly all of this is going to turn out for them. I think in a lot of ways, this feeding narrative shows us what it means to join Christ in ministry, to allow the compassion of Christ to begin to rub off on us. And maybe that is the message that you need to hear from this text this morning. In the wake of a summer that has been full of rest and fullness, time with family sitting on the beach, and you're looking ahead with expectation for all that the fall has to hold, maybe you need to be reminded that our role as disciples of Christ, our calling as we seek to be a people who are trying to follow this Messiah, is to simply allow the compassion of Christ to rub off on us. To be a people who are looking for the need in our communities who are on the lookout for folks who are, who are hurting and hungry, trusting that no matter what we may have in our pockets to offer, when we hand it over to Jesus, it will be enough. The more that I looked at this narrative this week, the, the more that I realized that I really think it, it gives us two options as to what we can receive. And, and again, I would invite you to lean into whichever of those, of those perspectives that your spirit is craving this morning. Because they both have to do with the compassion of Jesus in this moment. Option one is to focus on receiving and being filled with that compassion. As we compare this feeding of the multitude to Herod's birthday feast, as we see Jesus feeding the hungry crowd, might we be reminded, might we see again that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how broken our situation may feel, that we would remember the compassion of Christ in this moment and trust that he is enough for where you are right now. The other option is to allow that compassion In this moment, specifically the response that we see the disciples have to the crowd to push us outward, to do the same, to remind us of of what our calling is as a people who, who don't just believe in Christ, but are seeking to be like Christ, trusting him to work and move through us to fulfill the needs around us. What I would say is that Regardless this morning of whether you feel like you need to be filled up with that compassion or whether you feel like you need to be sent out with that compassion, right now we get an opportunity to experience it. Every week when we come to this table and we break this bread together and we share this holy meal, in so many ways we are looking back to the feeding of the 5,000. And in many ways, this feeding of the 5,000 foreshadows the meal that Jesus is going to share the night that he gives himself up for us. And every single week in here, when we come to this table, we get a chance to experience the same abundance, the same compassion, the same grace that we find in this moment in chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew. If you think about it, the story of this table is really not that different than the story that we just read. Christ, again, is under threat. Only this time, he knows that he doesn't have very long. And so he decides yet again to retreat to a quiet place, taking only those who are closest to him. And this time, the crowds don't follow. And he provides a meal. He provides 
nourishment. He provides in that moment a grace that no one thought was possible. And each week we get to experience that. This morning, as as you come down to take communion, I would really encourage you to focus on what your spirit needs. Do you need that compassion of Jesus to to fill you up, to, to replenish your soul? Or is there something that God has put on your heart, a need that you have seen, and you know that you need this compassion to push you out back into the community? Hey, friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.